Mark chapter 4, and children, you are dismissed to junior church, and uh, Mark chapter 4 is where we are, and uh, we're starting again, as I kind of said last week, we're getting, getting to the end uh, of this chapter, and uh, it sure has been a, a really wonderful uh, journey through this book so far with uh, Mark, man, he just, he just uh, goes from one thing after another, and right now we find ourselves in, in the middle of really a cluster of parables that Jesus was giving, and uh, just remember last week and the week before that, we looked at the parable of the candlestick, and Jesus was talking about the fact that his disciples that were saved, they were that uh, lamp. They were the lamp that were to shine forth the light of Jesus Christ to a dark world, and he said, look, people don't buy a, 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 a lamp or a candle and just bring it into their house just to hide it. People don't bring a candle into their home just to, to put it in the corner, to hide it under a bed, and just to not allow it to be of any use. And in that, Jesus Christ was saying, listen, you have been saved by the gospel. You have been saved. You are following me. You have the light of the world. Now you need to go out and shine that light. You are not to uh, keep it to yourself. You're not to hide it from people. The world needs to know the truth of the gospel is what Jesus was telling us. And now... Jesus continues to uh, speak on this subject matter of the gospel. And as he does so, he, he turns from talking about the necessity of the gospel to now the mystery of the gospel. Now, I know a lot of you here today, you probably like mysteries. Well, the gospel is a little bit mysterious. And that's what uh, we see from our text uh, this morning. Now, we all likely have at times been maybe exasperated at the hardened hearts of friends, loved ones, and co-workers when it comes to the gospel. Like, man, maybe some of you here, I hope that you all here have, have tried to reach people with the gospel. And maybe you have a, a co-worker or a loved one or a, a friend that you have just tried and you've tried and tried to reach them with the gospel and they continue to reject and reject and reject. Uh, and maybe you've been discouraged at the lack of results. Maybe you've been discouraged at the... The fact that, you know, I, I give the gospel a lot, I invite people to church, and, and nobody, nothing ever happens. There's hardly any fruit that becomes of it. Now, I'll tell you what, as a pastor, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I feel that. I mean, I preach in the gospel every week, and, and let me just say this, I'm not, I'm not saying this for sympathy, I'm trying to let you know I feel that as well. And you give your life to the gospel, you preach the gospel every week, and then at times you can be a little bit discouraged. At the lack of results, well, you know, I, don't, I didn't see people get saved this week, so did it do any good? And, and again, as Christians, we can run into that as well. Well, I've tried, and I've prayed, and I've, I've, I've told this person the gospel many times, and they're still, they're not hearing me. They're not listening. They're, they have not changed. But in our text, this is the awesome thing about this church, and I'm really excited about this passage of Scripture. I think it's wonderful. Christ makes it clear in our text this morning. That it is up to us as his people to proclaim the gospel to the lost. Amen. But it is up to him to work in hearts and to bring them to saving faith. Amen. So in our text this morning, we're going to find encouragement to listen. Just keep doing your part in proclaiming the gospel. Just continue on telling people about Christ. Continue on inviting people to church. Continue giving people gospel tracts. Just proclaim the gospel to people around you and then let God bring forth the increase. That's what we're going to see in our text this morning. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 26. It says in verse 26, Jesus here says, And he said, 
so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for the gospel. I thank you so much that you sent Christ to reconcile us to you. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us just to, to see the truth of Scripture today, to rejoice in our salvation, but also to proclaim the gospel to those that are lost and are in need of the, the life-changing truth of the gospel. I pray, Lord, Lord, I know there are people right now in this room, they're not saved. They do not have eternal life. God, I pray that today would be the day that they know that they have eternal life. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they, they hear the gospel and you just finally bring them to saving faith. I pray that today would be that day. Lord, I pray you'll speak through me, give me the right words to say, and just help us this morning. Help us be encouraged, challenged, and changed by the preaching of your word. In your holy and precious name, amen. Well, this, uh, like the, the parable of the lamp, this is connected to the very first parable, which is, remember, the parable of the soils. And uh, Jesus Christ, in this parable, he goes back, look what it says in verse 26. He goes back to this seed. He said, the kingdom of God, uh, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. And this seed, again, is in essence the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the seed is the truth that every man, they are born into sin. They are at odds with God. And by the way, that includes you, that includes me. The gospel is the fact that you are at odds with God because of your sin. And every one of us, we sin. We sin every single day. We've likely sinned within this last hour while we're here. We are at odds with God from birth. And the, the truth of the gospel is that God, He is holy. He is pure. He is set apart from all others. There's nobody in the, in the same league as God. Okay? He is in a league of his own. He is uh, totally set apart. And therefore, because he is without sin, because he cannot sin, because he can have no part in sin, therefore he can have no part with sinful man. He can have no part with us. And that sounds like bad news. But there is good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ, he came to earth. He shed his blood and he died. But he rose again. So that we could be reconciled to God. He was the perfect uh, sacrifice. He never did any sin. Uh, he lived a complete and perfect life. So that we could be reconciled unto God. And all that we must, must do is to repent and turn to Him in faith. Not trusting in any work that we've done. But in the finished blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That is the gospel. That is the truth. That is this seed that Christ is talking about. That the, this truth of the gospel is the seed. So this morning... I must ask you, has this seed landed on your heart? Has it grown? Have you become born again? Are you a child of God? Have you been regenerated? I already said during the prayer, I know that there are people here right now, they've not trusted in Christ. Well, here's the thing I need to ask you this morning. If you have not, then why wait? Why wait? Come to Christ this morning. Why bother staying dead in your sins? Why bother living your life in rebellion against God? What good 
is it doing for you? It's doing no good. Come to Christ. Fully trust in Him today. Fall on His grace and be adopted into the family of God. You might say, well, I don't deserve it. Well, neither do I. Nobody deserves it. But God in His grace, He will accept you if you would just trust in Him. And this truth is what Jesus commanded His disciples to preach everywhere. He wanted His disciples to preach the life-changing truth of the gospel to all men. Look at uh, again in verse 26. And Jesus said, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast his seed into the ground. Jesus is telling us again that the kingdom of God is, remember, that farmer. He's like that farmer that, that's casting that seed all over the ground. And again, this is connected to the parable of the soils. And remember, you had that farmer. And they have a bag. He would have a bag attached to his hip. And he would reach in there when he's on the field. And he would grab that handful of seeds. And he would just cast it out to the ground everywhere. Uh, and he did not have a care of where it went. Uh, and it would land on the soil. It would land on the, the, the wayside. It would land in the thorn of ground. It landed everywhere. He just was casting it everywhere as he was traveling along. And now Jesus says, The kingdom of God and salvation is as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now this is inter interesting because this casting means literally to throw without caring where it falls. He, he's just, he's, again, he's just taking on that. He's just throwing it everywhere. Wherever it lands, it lands. And this is what Christ commanded his disciples to do. He wanted them ca to cast the seed of the gospel everywhere. Don't, don't worry about where it falls. You just cast the seed of the gospel. That's why he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And by the way, that's exactly what his disciples did. I want to go to a few places. Go to Acts chapter 2 to see this truth. These disciples of Christ, they were obedient to this call to cast this seed everywhere. They didn't just do it to a select few. They didn't just do it to those friends that they thought may be open-minded or okay with it. They did it everywhere, whether uh, people liked it or not. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And we know this is Peter at Pentecost. And he said, and it says here, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. They, they were convicted and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter here, he was proclaiming the gospel. And, and people were convicted about it. They, were, they knew that they were at odds with God and they needed Christ. And look what verse 38 says. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Go to chapter 14 of Acts. Chapter 14. And look at verse 5. 14, verse 5. And I want you to notice what this says here. In verse 5 it says, and when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of uh, Lysonia, and unto the regions that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. So we see another uh, instance right here. Persecution's coming. Uh, there's issues uh, with the people they're dealing with, and yet they still decide to preach the gospel of Christ. Look at verse 19 of that same chapter. And this is Paul while he's at Lystra. Look at verse 19. It says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persecuted the people. And having stoned Paul, 
drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit the disciples stood round about him, and he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Okay, so it's just like Paul here. He gets stoned because he's preaching the gospel. And instead of whining about it and going home and saying, I can't do this anymore. The persecution is too much. No, instead he gets up and the next day he goes somewhere else and preaches the gospel. I mean, this, this, this is just so foreign to us. And look at uh, verse chapter 28 as well. Chapter 28 of this same chapter in verse 23. And Paul here, he is in Rome. Verse 23 of chapter 28. It says in verse 23, And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading him concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. I think it's pretty safe to say here that the disciples and, and Paul, they were unfazed by the persecution that came their way. Uh, these disciples, they were doing exactly what they were called to do when Jesus said, cast the gospel seed all over the place. They did it in Judea, Jerusalem, Lystra, Derby, Rome, among other places. And in the midst of persecution, in the midst of threats on their lives, in the midst of stoning, they continually just preached the gospel. They continually just casted the seed of the gospel everywhere they went. They constantly preached the cross everywhere without a care of where it fell, even if it meant they were going to get persecuted over it. Amen. And what a far cry it is from the majority of believers today. And man, I was convicted after, after considering this, and I was convicted after reading uh, that message from our brother in uh, India with the persecution they're facing. I mean, in America, what do we do? Somebody, we, don't, we don't share the gospel people or give them the gospel because we're afraid they might look at us funny. And yet, there are people back in the days of the Bible, and there are people even now that are striving to preach the gospel regardless, whether that means they could be stoned, they could have their house burned down, they could have their church burned down, they could be killed themselves, they could become homeless. Man, look at the state of America today. How willing are we to proclaim the gospel? Listen, we need to liberally cast the gospel seed to all men. We need to saturate our town and our community with the gospel. And as a church, we do strive to do this, and we strive to give every believer an opportunity to be obedient to God. Everybody knows we have door-to-door. -door. You know that we have, uh, uh, last year and this year, we did water bottles at the 4th of July, and we handed out 1,000 water bottles, uh, and we, we had the gospel on that water bottle. We have Facebook ads, we have preaching in this church, we also have uh, just tracks that you can use for individual distribution to people. We need to saturate our town with the gospel. Listen, if there was ever uh, something that our town needed to be saturated with, it is a life-changing news of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Christ. Now, in regards to all of that, I just want you to think about this. This is the awesome thing, and this is the encouraging thing right here, okay? It does not matter how much or how little results that we see from casting the seed of the gospel. It does not matter if a hundred people come to church and then come to know Christ because we knock on their door or zero. It does not matter if ten of your co-workers or your family members or your friends come to church and they get saved due to your invitation or your gospel presentation. 
It does not matter. The results that you see as you give forth the gospel, and you may say, well, that, why? Why is that? Well, here's why. Because the results are not up to us. They're up to God. They're up to Him. And in this parable, what Jesus is saying is that when His people liberally cast the gospel seed to those that are lost, it is a miraculous and mysterious thing that happens. It takes, and it really takes the pressure off of us. And it puts the pressure, if you will, into the hands of our mighty God and, and the work of the drawing of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, a farmer in this day, they would not need an agricultural degree to grab a handful of seeds and just to cast it out into a field. Do you know that? that? They wouldn't need a degree to do that. It was a simple thing. And thank God we don't need a degree in soul winning in order to tell people about the gospel of Christ. And we do not need to be an expert in theology to hand somebody a tract. As a matter of fact... Uh, and I don't, I don't mean this to say that you know you can be clueless, but here's the thing. If you're saved, you know how you got saved. If you're saved, you know the gospel of Christ. So we can use our testimony and we can use scriptures to show people. It doesn't mean that we are to be clueless, but it's out of our hands what happens after we give the gospel. Let's go back to our text in Mark chapter 4 and look at verse 27. Look at verse 27. And this right here is proof of this. And I, I just love this passage. This is great. Look at verse 27. Jesus says of this farmer that he and, and should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. And this is wonderful because once this farmer has done his part in casting the seed on the ground, Jesus is saying, then the earth does its part. Now, I want you to notice, what, what does he do after he casts the seed? It says that he sleeps, and he rises. He goes about his day. He, he does this night and day, because all that the farmer has been able to do, it has, in essence, been done. Now, this verb uh, here, the, these verbs, rather, sleep and rise, it denotes a repeated activity. It, it shows us that this is a time, this time of waiting. It's a continuous action. And as a matter of fact, it signifies a very long process. So this farmer, he, he, he casts that seed. He, he goes to sleep. He, he rises every day. He just goes about uh, his day doing what he normally does. And then suddenly, one day, seemingly randomly, after a long period of waiting and watching and, and just checking that seed out to see if anything's ever happened, one day, out of nowhere, it springs forth out of the ground. And the seed, it begins to grow. And Jesus said, and the farmer does not know how. It does not know, he does not know why. But here's the, here's the cool thing about this, church. The farmer does not have to understand how the seed grows in order for the seed to grow. You know that? It doesn't, they don't have to know. Uh, they don't have to uh, understand. And likewise, when we cast forth the seed of the gospel, there will be many times, church, where we sow and we wait and we, we cultivate the ground. We may sow some more. We may pray. We may wait some more. And then suddenly, one day, we just might see life. Suddenly, the Spirit of God has moved and changed that heart. Suddenly, that seed brings forth the life uh, as the gospel has taken hold. And we will look at it and we will just not understand how or why. Let's go to 2 Corinthians Chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> 
Second Corinthians chapter four, look at verse three. It says in verse three, Paul writes, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, this is great. I cannot understand, and I cannot wrap my mind around how God gives the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ to sinners. How, how the lost can get to a place where they were spiritually dead and they were blinded by Satan to the place where they now have eternal life and the glorious light of the gospel is now shining to the, unto them. That is unclear to our human mind. I, I don't understand the mystery that is the gospel as it lands on the heart of men and the process of God bringing us from his enemy to now his child and we're seated at his table. But here's the thing. I don't need to understand. I don't need to understand. I just know that God did it. God's done it for me. And if you're saved, he's done it for you. I don't need to understand the ins and outs of the gospel. I am only called by God to be a herald of the gospel. And I can know he will do the rest. Amen. Now, the seed of the gospel, it will bring forth fruit as God sees fit, despite my ignorance. My responsibility is to sow the seed. And then, I am to leave the rest to God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 4. And Paul, again, he just backs up this truth and, and helps us with this teaching of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3, look at verse 4. And in this, I just, for context, people were arguing back and forth in this church and saying, well, you know, uh, Apollos is the one that led me to Christ. And they say, well, yeah, but Paul, he's the one who led me to Christ. And Paul's, in essence, saying, who cares? Amen. It doesn't matter who led you to Christ. All that matters is that you've been led to Christ and you're saved. Amen. Look at verse 4. It says, for a while, one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed even as the Lord gave to every man. So he's in essence saying, hey, listen, I'm nothing. Apollos is nothing. We're just, we're just vessels that God used to show people the truth of the gospel. And look at what verse 6 says. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Let me just say that again. But God gave the increase. Verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Hey, listen. God is the only one that brings faith and spiritual life to those that are lost. Not man. We need to understand this this morning. Not man. And this totally takes away from the false notion that I've heard many times. And I've heard people say this, and this is, this is a terrible thing, where I've heard people say, or even write, you know, if, if we're not seeing X amount of souls saved in our church, or X amount of souls saved when, we're, when we are giving people the gospel every year, or every month, or X, whatever it is, then something's wrong. 
I've heard people say that. But listen, if we as a church are preaching the gospel, God will do the work. It has nothing to do with our approach. It has nothing to do with our tactics. We just need to proclaim the truth of the gospel, which is the fact that Christ was, he he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and then he will do the rest. And the belief that we, as God's people, hold so much power in the gospel, that's a terrible, you're, you're in a terrible place if that's what you think. Now, obviously, we ought to be pure vessels. We ought to be holy. We ought to live holy lives. But uh, this, this belief that we play so much, we have so much power in the gospel has caused many churches to play on people's emotions. It's caused many uh, people to try to manipulate other people into saying some prayer that only results in false converts. This false belief has led many people to treat souls of men as if they're just a number. Hey, listen, they're not just a number. They're souls. And it's caused a lot of people to just turn the the Great Commission into a contest to see how many people they can lead to Christ. And this has led many people to saying a one, two, three, repeat after me prayer, and then they have a false assurance of their salvation. And often a lot of these people that have supposedly gotten saved, they have no fruit, they have no new nature, and they don't actually know God at all. Hey, listen, when God saves your soul, he will change your life. Leonard Ravenhill, I agree with what he said. He said, the sinner's prayer has sent more people to hell than all the bars in America combined. Listen, salvation is not a prayer. If you're trusting in a prayer, then you are not saved because you're not trusting in Christ. That is salvation. That is the gospel. You must trust in Jesus Christ. But we need to come to a place where we realize that proclaiming the gospel, it's not about our tactics. It's not about uh, our presentation per se. It's about God saving grace and his power. God does not call any of us to save anybody because we can't. God calls us to proclaim the gospel, and yes, we should should, uh, pray for fruit. But for those, maybe even some here this morning, or for those in general that have that mindset of, you know, well, if if you're not seeing people saved everywhere, then you're not doing something right, then tell me this. What do you do with a man like William Carey, who we mentioned India this morning? He was the first gospel-preaching man to go to try to reach the Hindus in India. You know, he preached and he labored and he watered and he he cast the gospel seed time and time again for seven years before he saw his first convert. Seven years. What do you do with somebody like that? And now, as a result of his efforts, he, he would eventually see... Many, many people come to know Christ. Actually, the person I mentioned this morning, his ancestor was actually reached by William Carey. Isn't that amazing? Seven years without anything. Seven years without any fruit. But God was working behind the scenes as he spread the gospel and he did what he could. He gave his life for the gospel and it took many uh, years of sowing the gospel seed. It took many years of cultivating that ground for a very long time. It no doubt took him watering uh, that seed with his prayer and his tears for years until finally the God of heaven broke through. And the fact of the matter is, the gospel works differently in the hearts of each individual. Just consider this morning your salvation testimony. You know, for uh, for some people's salvation, it's a slow and it's a long process. Just like the, the seed of the gospel that we're talking about that Jesus mentions from this farmer. It just, it takes a long time. You know, and I, I asked for Carl's permission in this, and he said I could. And I'd, I'd want to use him as an example. 
you all know, or most of you probably know, that Carl just got saved, what was it, two years ago? Maybe a little less, about a year and a half ago? For years, there's no doubt, Carl had heard the gospel. He'd probably been to church. He had pastors come visit him. And, and then one day, God used a health crisis to get a hold of Carl's heart. And you know, nobody had to go in that hospital room and coerce him. Nobody had to go in there and, and, and tell him, hey, uh, you know, they didn't have to go in there and try to scare him. The Holy Spirit of God was working on Carl's heart. The Holy Spirit of God was working in his life, and he used those circumstances to bring him to saving faith. And what happened? He calls Damien up, and he says, I need you to come to Bangor. So Damien goes to Bangor. He walks in the room, and Damien, again, doesn't have to coerce him or bribe him. He just says, I know what I need to do. I need to get saved. Hey, listen, what a great testimony of God's grace. What a, that right there, that was an encouragement to me to just continue on praying, to just continue on uh, trying to reach people with the gospel no matter how hard their heart may be. Just keep on giving the gospel seed to people. What a joy it is to know that. It's not up to us, it's up to God. And some they may hear and immediately have faith that brings them to reconciliation to God. Some may hear multiple times. For some, salvation, like it did for Carl, may not come until years and years of prayer and gospel presentation and this the Holy Spirit of God moving and working in different ways behind the scenes that you don't even know about and that you don't even see. Amen. It's just the Holy Spirit is cultivating the heart. We do not know how God does such a miraculous work. We, we don't know how God works in the heart of individual people to bring them to saving faith just as that farmer does not understand how that little seed grows into a small plant and then eventually grows into a head of grain. And likewise, we will not know how the Holy Spirit of God moves and convicts and brings people to saving faith. And the Holy Spirit of God, it works on the hearts of sinners. It grows that seed of the gospel. God's doing the work. God's working on the heart. And just as the earth brings fruit of herself, so does the Holy Spirit of God bring forth the fruit of salvation on its own. Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 4 again. Look at verse 28. Look at verse 28. Jesus said, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. This miracle of the, of the seed includes it springing up, then growing to a head of grain, and then finally maturing to a full grain. And likewise, church, the miracle of the gospel includes the seed of the gospel bearing the fruit of repentance and then continuing to grow uh, into the fact that that, that, that Christian is, is growing in the likeness of Christ each day, and it is miraculous. This word in verse tw uh, 28, notice there it says, it bringeth forth fruit of herself. That word herself, it comes from a Greek word that means automatically. It brings forth fruit automatically. What this is telling us is that just as the earth brings forth fruit out of that seed automatically, so does the Holy Spirit of God produce the fruit of salvation in the hearts of men automatically. It doesn't require our numbers-driven tactics. It does not require our personality. It does not require our cunning devices. It requires the power of God. Amen. And sure, the, the farmer, he would have to water it. You know, He may have to take some weeds out, but ultimately the seed is going to grow and produce fruit on its own. And the Holy Spirit of God, it produces disciples of Christ on its own as well. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse 5. 
what it says, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but look what it says, but also in power. And the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. Hey, listen, I'm here to tell you this morning that the gospel is powerful. The Holy Spirit of God is powerful. And as the gospel goes forth from us, even as sinful men, the Holy Spirit of God is the one that does a great work in convicting the heart of men. The Holy Ghost, it brings that seed of the gospel to life in the lives of many people. So over and over again, we see from Scripture, church, the, the, the result of casting the seed, it's not up to us. The result of, of sharing the gospel, it's not up to us, it's up to Him. Listen to me. He will give the increase. He will open blind eyes. He will bring forth fruit. He will build his church. He will bring people to repent. He will cause people to fall on Christ and to trust in him by faith. I tell you what, I hope this is encouragement to you. It sure is an encouragement to me to know that it's not me. It's him. And what Jesus is really teaching us, in essence, in this wonderful parable and this illustration is that we can no more force somebody to get saved than we can force a plant to grow. That's what he's saying. We cannot force it. However, we can cast the seed. We can water that seed with our tears and our prayers. We can cultivate the ground with our godly lives and our continual zeal uh, for just telling lost souls about the gospel. And I, I hope and pray that this is an encouragement to all that God does not call us to save people. He just proclaims us to share the gospel. Christ never told his disciples, hey, go out and save people. He never told his disciples, go and make people come to me. Go and coerce them. Come, come up with some crazy tactic and try to bribe them to come to me. No, instead he said, try to compel them to come in with the gospel. Try to reach them. You need to preach the gospel. You need to be an ambassador for me. He called them. To be a consistent gospel witness that is liberally telling others about the truth of God. And I just thank God this morning that being a witness for Christ does not require us to rack up numbers like we're some car salesmen, but rather to just be faithful to cast the gospel seed. Now, this does not take away from our responsibility of being an ambassador for Christ. I want you to understand that. But you know, this should motivate us to have even more confidence to tell other people about the gospel. It should lighten our load to know, oh wow, the power of the gospel does not lie within me, but in God who has the power to save. You know, we can have confidence in God to do the work as we proclaim the gospel. We don't have to have excellency of speech or wisdom. We don't need enticing words of man's wisdom. Our only need is the power of God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul, again, he speaks a lot about this. And it's really a help. For all of us to see what Christ is saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verse 1. Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith 
should not stand in the wisdom of men, but look what it says, but in the power of God. Hey, look, we are not in need of fancy, fancy methods. We're not in need of manipulation tactics. We're not even in need of dignified speech or worldly wisdom. We are in need of the power of God. And it is by God's power that people get saved, not our own. The farmer in Mark 4, he sows a seed, he gets up, he examines the ground. After a long wait, he suddenly sees the, the seed spring up and he doesn't understand how. He doesn't understand how because he did not make the seed grow. It was the God that gives life that made the seed grow. And we are responsible to tell the lost about the gospel, but it is God's responsibility to bring forth the fruit. Paul Washer, he rightfully said that salvation cannot be manipulated by the preacher. It is a magnificent work of the power of the almighty God. And this ought to be an encouragement to us as well. Uh, for those of you here, and I know there are many here this, this morning. You have friends, you have loved ones, and, and maybe co-workers. You've witnessed to them. You've prayed for them. You've had sleepless nights over them. You have fasted over them. You have wept for their soul, and they still have a hardened heart towards God. You may have that in your life, or you know that they are not saved, and, and they, they are just hardened against God, and maybe they even hate God. They still have not come to saving faith. May this be an encouragement to you to keep on sowing that seed. Keep on watching for opportunities to cultivate that ground. Keep on watering that soul with your prayers and your tears. Do not give up. You may have somebody in your mind, and I want you to think about that right now, somebody in your mind that you know needs Christ. They've rejected the gospel time and time again. They're against the gospel. Think about that person right now. Keep praying for them. If you continue to pray, you continue to witness you continue to love. You continue to try to reach them. It could very well be that one day, like this farmer, you may approach that ground. And you may go there and suddenly see that spiritual life has sprung up and now it's bearing fruit. You may look at that changed life with amazement, knowing that it is a miracle of God. And in that moment, as you realize you did your part, even when it seemed hopeless, you will then be able to stand in awe of seeing somebody that was dead in sin is now raised to newness, to, to life in Christ and newness of life in Christ. And you can look at that and you can say, just like that farmer, I don't know how this happened, but God gave the increase. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I think it's safe to say that all that are in Christ may be would know somebody that they need God. They need the gospel. I encourage you, let's just take a few moments to pray about that. Pray for their soul. Ask God to get a hold of their heart. Ask God to open their blind eyes. To soften their heart to the gospel. God can. It is God that gives us the increase. Let's just take a few moments to pray about that.